Welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. My name is Alex, and I'm pretty stoked on today's episode. So I've got uh, Ben and Edward from Alpha BTC uh, on to discuss the conference that they're putting on on September 10th in Omaha, Nebraska, that I'll be speaking at. And we had a good time. We had a really good time. I, I'm stoked about this conference. I'm stoked about Bitcoin in the Midwest. There's not you know, a ton of energy that I've heard coming out from there. But, you know, there is a meetup scene in Omaha. There's a meetup scene, you know, growing, kind of spread out across the Midwest. And I think that's huge. It's something I'm super bullish on is Bitcoin coming to smaller communities. And that's why we launched the meetup in Sierra Vista, Arizona, which is a town of about 100,000 people. And it only really exists because there's a military base out there and some defense contractors and it was a dope meetup we had our first meetup uh, this past Saturday and it was just an awesome conversation those guys are hardcore you know they're badass they're fed up and you know they're ready to do some good stuff and it, it, the energy was just incredible uh, but yeah uh, we talked about in this conversation about the the conference and you know how it's kind of a response to Berkshire Hathaway and uh, their meeting, you know Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, their their meeting that they have in in Omaha. Like this is going to be um, kind of a rejection of that and you know a celebration of you know this new parallel financial system that we're building in a better form of money that we're rolling out. And I, I'm stoked. I'm stooped. I'm super stoked. Um, Brian Harrington, Stephen Cole, who are both good friends of mine, are going to be there. It's going to be good hanging out with them. You know, I'm excited to meet Ben in person. Him and I have been, you know, talking online quite a bit over the past year, uh, hanging out, and I think it'll be super dope to, to meet him. But I think it's going to be, a, you know, a pretty sick conference. And I think, you know, this kind of fits into this attitude of localism that I. I'm really coming around to uh, where we organize grassroots. We get we get out of this you know political uh, coma of being so infatuated with the federal government, and we just start focusing on our local communities. And I think that's you know super dope. That that's what I want to be a part of. That type of energy, uh, bringing Bitcoin into our local communities to empower individuals and to reject the broken monetary system. So anyways, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, welcome, welcome to the podcast, guys. Really stoked to have you on. Hey, howdy. So, you're counting down the days. I think we're about 20 days out to uh, Bitcoin Omaha. And uh, I'm really, really stoked. I was looking at the, the speakers. Uh, some of my favorite people there are going to be there. I'm really excited. Um, but yeah, how are you guys feeling about it? Feeling good. Feeling really excited. Just uh, excited to bring some Bitcoiners to the Midwest and get some people together. This is sweet. Nice. I got my dog barking in the background, so I'm going to try and mute her out when I'm not talking. Um, but yeah, so Edward, yeah, this is kind of your vision. What, what, what's your vision for Bitcoin Day? I know you're looking at doing this some other places. Yeah, we, uh, so um, we've had every once in a while, like, like Jameson Lop came out to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, actually, in 2018, I think it was. So we've had, we've had people come and 
on occasion from out of town for different events. Um, we had we ran a, a fintech conference a few years back as well, and, and had some uh, industry folks there to talk. Um, that was uh, we had Eric Voorhees there, but we haven't had like such a consolidated, you know, uh, all these personalities, all these influencers that are coming for um, uh, September 10th in Omaha. So. Um, I, I, it's gonna be, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be the biggest thing uh, for for uh, Bitcoin in, in Omaha that's ever happened, really. Because uh, um, certainly right now is, is the time to do it. Just the prices, the price is right. <laughs> biggest uh, Bitcoin conference in Nebraska. Yep, number one. Yep. <laughs> it, it, so we, yeah, I mean, we've certainly done it in the past, uh, smaller scales, but um, this this time we've got a great lineup. Uh, ben and, and Lauren um, Sigmund have uh, really helped out and uh, get the speakers and sponsors. And so it's, it's a really good lineup and we're really excited. Yeah. You're going to be speaking too. Yeah, I'm speaking. I'm super stoked on it. <laughs> yeah. But this is uh, so, so Bitcoin Day, for those who don't know, uh, you know, the Bitcoin Day team came from uh, uh, not frustration, but you know Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway having their weekend every year in, uh, in Omaha. And so I figured that uh, they need some competition. So we uh, uh, wanted to, if they're bringing a bunch of folks who are uh, interested in dumping money into uh, assets, I figure they should dump money into Bitcoin and, and uh, Warren's not gonna lead the way on that by any means. And so. Uh, that's that's where we come in. So the goal is to have, you know, an event that rivals Berkshire Hathaway um, shareholder meeting and draw some of that crowd over to uh, to help enlighten them on on uh, decentralization. Yeah, that's dope. I don't know how successful um, will be at enlightening Warren Buffett. No, no, no. <laughs> He's a lost cause. Yeah, his his entire like success is predicated on the ability to print money um that's something he really enjoys doing he's gonna give it all away to bill gates before he dies <laughs> that's centralization right there is that really his plan yeah i was just reading about that the other day he's giving away 99 percent of his wealth is going to the gates foundation uh, that's so disgusting <laughs> i i have like a very strong dislike for mr bill gates yeah. So yeah, that's, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I've got that lined up for social media at some point to yeah point that out to all those yeah the uh, so but the so you know you start to talk about obviously he's he's very vocal actually that's what it, that was part of what it was when when um, we kicked off the idea was him being when he started getting vocal about it that was when you know I kind of decided we need to we need to push back and. And make something happen and so um we that was tw in 28 we did one in 2015 in 2018 um we were going to do one at the uh, marriott hotel which is right across the street from where all the festivities were happening for berkshire halfway uh, weekend and then uh, pretty much had everything lined up about a month before uh we were supposed to do the event marriott called us and they said we're sorry we can't uh we can't host you we this isn't going to be the venue for you. And uh, so I said, well, why? And they wouldn't really give me a reason. They just said, yeah, we just can't do it. And uh, and so 
thankfully we hadn't made a deposit. Like we weren't out money. They weren't trying to like hold our money from us or anything like that. They just said we could come see. And so uh, we went that weekend. So it's Berkshire Hathaway weekend. Like all the stuff was going on at Borshines and we were right across the street at Marriott, supposed to be. And I walked through the halls, walked through the conference rooms where we were supposed to rent. Like we had, you know, uh, agreement on that and so there was they were empty nothing was going on at marriott that day and so i think somebody had uh picked up the phone after we got some publicity about what we were trying to do and i think somebody uh, maybe maybe from mr uh, buffett's office uh had picked up the phone and said we, we we don't want this to go on so yeah i don't i have no way of confirming that just my suspicion so that's that's the goal. The goal is to not have it there because I don't want to do business with them anymore. But have it very close to Berkshire uh, Hathaway weekend um, going forward, like next year. So yeah, I think it would be super dope. So I guess Warren Buffett gets McDonald's every morning for breakfast. <laughs> and what'd be super dope is if McDonald's started accepting Bitcoin, and it's just like right there in his face every morning when he gets his egg sandwich or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ran into him once in a restaurant. I just said hi, and he was too busy. He was doing talking to other people, but I met him kind of once. So, yeah. Yeah, I, in like 2018, when I started getting into Bitcoin, I, I watched a lot of his stuff, and uh, you know, was really fascinated with his investment style. And I think it's, you know, to a certain degree, it's it's pretty good. Like this idea of long term. Uh, thinking and investing of buying and holding uh, rather than trying to trade. I think that's like a really good message, but um, I think things are shifting a lot away from this idea of like having to get uh, yield. And uh, we, we have a form of money today that we can store our wealth in rather than having to go and um, speculate on all sorts of, you know, assets. I, I just like look back at before Bitcoin is like, what is, you know, a, 20 year old kid have any business doing investing in these companies um and you know why is it that way i don't think a lot of people think about it but it's kind of a strange concept that you can't just put your your value in your money and hold it over a period of time and we're forced to do these things yeah pretty much the i mean pretty much just using his style of investing but just you know moving it to sats and uh, I think uh, I mean, it's the, it's the long-term play is just stay home and stack sats. So that's what we're going to continue to do. Ben's taught me a lot about low time preference. And, uh, we're, you know, I, Joel from Untapped Growth, he's going to be talking about that too. And so um, for sure, that's the, that's the way to go with Bitcoin. And yeah. Bitcoin's kind of just, to me, it's incentivized the just zooming out and looking at kind of the, the larger scale of things of kind of you know, where we're at in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, and a lot of the speakers, um, you know, yourselves included, that's that's kind of going to be our focus is, you know, we're, we're planning for the long term here, you know, like you said, quality over quantity. And, um, you know, we're, we're building for the future and, and not just for tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. My, my dream is to have a day where we don't have Black Friday shopping anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what's what you what what's the alternative or how do you see it like every day is black friday like what would you uh less consumerism or there you go well yeah i mean you look at black friday so like thanksgiving typically one of my favorite holidays um because it's it's about you know spending time with your family you know and appreciating things it's something that i think is important 
and people forego that to go swipe credit cards to buy you know crap just absolute garbage like i mean you just see it every time that they're going bananas over flat screen tvs and it's like that that provides no value to you in your life um and the typical person that's doing that is not you know in a position where they can really afford to to have that mindset of of going and spending you know money on credit to buy this stuff like they they should be you know focusing on um saving on on building some sort of generating some sort of wealth to you know create more stability for their future and you know the reason why they do that is because they're incentivized to and they're punished to behave in a way that it isn't behaving like that and so i think like the alternative looks like people sitting at home with their families enjoying their time and you know thinking about the the long-term future instead of like that that stuff becomes when you have hard money that stuff becomes completely irrelevant um where people are are more focused on like you can still have nice things in a hard or yeah and like a hard money standard i think people just kind of pick and choose where they put it um because they're incentivized to save they're incentivized to think long term and they're incentivized to like really build out a strong future you know to focus on things like um building generational wealth um because that's where the incentives lie and that is crazy though about the, the Thanksgiving thing, Alex. <laughs> How we just it's complete you're supposed to be thankful, but it just turns into complete consumerism in the next eight hours and the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's absolutely awful. I I was um I spent a Thanksgiving with um a friend's family in Yuma and they have a very awesome low time preference. They're you know, pretty hardcore. They homeschooled all their kids. Um, and we, we had to go to Walmart, uh, because we were, uh, fixing their car, like changing out the struts on their car and, uh, they didn't have them at AutoZone and just seeing everybody's behavior. It was just bananas. Um, that Friday night, like it was, I, I tend to try and avoid that at all costs, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there are people in our society that are like that, but it's very um, against the grain and unusual. And I think uh, people look at people with low time preference with kind of a either confusion or disdain even. So. We uh, right, or actually um, right now we're in uh, Kansas City for planning on the, you know, we talked to you after really about like the, having the next uh, or what the plan is for Bitcoin day. So we're, we're in Kansas city right now, checking out the next one. And then um, at some point we'll be announcing and, and uh, planning the, the one after that. So the goal is to have, you know, next year booked up with, uh, uh, with uh, different cities over the next, uh, next year. And I think we've got quite a few already uh, in the works or at least some ideas of where we want to go. So, We'll be uh, we'll be announcing those as, as time goes on. So yeah, that's so bullish. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, they they will hopefully become easier, right? As we um, as we get some of the systems in place, as people see what we're doing, um, and and as more people, and, and then obviously as the price goes up, right? I think there will be people that are more will want to come. 
Um, and then right now we're expecting like 150 masks. Maybe we'll have to expand that in the future if uh, things really do pick up. So um, we're getting some really, like I said, we're getting some really good, good, a lot of interest from the speakers, a lot of interest from the sponsors. And then after that, it's just a matter of getting the word out. So. Yeah, I don't think I've looked at the sponsors yet. Um, so there might be a couple that have just need to be added still. I've got some agreements out or uh, just sitting in my inbox. And we, uh, so, um, so I'll tell you a little. So we're in Kansas City right now. We haven't really announced that Kansas City's happening, but that's November 6th. Um, and uh, we're going to be at Union Station. So this is like the exclusive announcement. <laughs> So, Paris of the Plains is what Kansas City is. So, trying to bring uh, just it's just another Midwest place that uh, um, has a lot of attention, and we're trying to you know help build a community here. But Paris of the Plains is what it used to be called, right? That's a real name, not just you calling it that. That was a nickname back in like the 1800s or something. The early 1900s. Early 1900s. All right, so Paris of the Plains. So, uh, Union Station is like a big old big train station, kind of like Grand Central, probably not that big, but. Um, so yeah, it's that it's gonna be a sweet venue. Um, so that's that's Kansas City, November sixth, and we'll obviously be launching that the website and getting the tickets uh, ticket sales online um, and that, that link out for people to sign up for if they're in the Kansas City area. But um, in Omaha, the, there's a little bit of a backstory because um, last year basically is when it all kind of started but last year the legislature started looking at a bill that was proposed by a senator in uh, in Nebraska from Norfolk Nebraska called Mike Flood and Mike Flood uh, proposed a bill where banks could essentially custody Bitcoin or digital assets and they could uh, hold that just like they hold dollars um, and so that was obviously pretty I mean they, they basically modeled and followed after Wyoming's legislature so uh, Nebraska basically the, the second state that allows banks to hold cryptocurrency. So, um, so that was really exciting. That that got pushed through. That was There was a really strong vote in the legislature for that. And so uh, part of the reason they did that was um, there's a company called Telcoin that the founder is from Nebraska, um, or at least, at least he went to college in Nebraska, and he wanted to um, to move back to Nebraska, or at least move the company back to Nebraska. And so um, Mike Flood and Mark Quandall, uh, that team basically uh, got that bill passed in the legislature. So we're one of two states. I think there was talk about Texas maybe doing the same thing. So maybe third, three states now that where banks can hold uh, Bitcoin uh, on their books. So that's exciting. And so Telcoin is one of the is the sponsor that's not on the um, website that we'll be adding here shortly. And so uh, and then also Exodus, they're on there. That's uh, um, we're excited to have them as sponsors, JP and James and uh, the gang. Uh, they're, they're, they've been great supporters throughout the years. So, Dope. yeah. And then the other one, we got, some, we got you know, the um, Mark Quandas Law Firm, the Dvorak Law. Uh, and then we've got, uh, um, who else is getting added? Well, I can't say some of them yet, but yeah, we'll be adding some more. Uh, shortly here. That's awesome. I mean, that's something that's been uh, for for our meetup specifically has been really helpful is having companies kind of wrap around us and and help support us. So some that have been really helpful: Bit Refill, uh, Fold, um, 
samurai and uh gosh i'm forgetting one it's so bad um it's all good but yeah i mean the, 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 there's something about bitcoin companies where they really see the value of of people getting together and talking about this and you know that they're bitcoiners um actually working in the companies and I mean, it's amazing to see this kind of organic growth. I think this is like one of the most effective ways to, to spread out into these communities is to create this, you know, energy, because what, what we're doing is we're in, uh, essentially we're revolting against this awful monetary system that is punishing everybody and, uh, having that energy, I think is good. Yeah. And I could like, I mean, Revolutionary War, right? They gathered in churches and barns, and uh, yeah. The revolutionaries meet at the cupcake shop in Omaha. They're coming through, so yeah. Shout out to Jones Brothers Cupcakes in Omaha. They're they're going to be catering uh, catering the event, and on September 10th, and we got uh, we're going to have a happy hour. Hopefully, is actually sponsoring the happy hour afterwards. Um, but yeah, Jones Bros has been awesome. That's that's where you can. Uh, buy your Bitcoin uh, at the kiosk. That was the first one in Omaha, so we put that back in 2015. They, uh, uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty into it. Um, so they saw the vision and they were willing to let us put that uh, first kiosk there in Nebraska. So they've been around for a while. I think the community aspect of Bitcoin is kind of different than just every every other a lot of different communities. It's just like you said. It's it's really from the ground up, and there's hardcore Bitcoiners in these companies, and then it it kind of branches off of there. And um, it you know again the quality over quantity. You've got to grow with people that are with the mission versus um, you know people that are trying to buy some uh, other altcoins. <laughs> yeah, the other company that I forgot was Lolly. By the way, uh, yeah, they're one of the I. I haven't even tried to reach out to them. Yeah, they're one of their uh, founders is from Nebraska, actually. Okay. Um, but yeah, the uh, I mean, and we don't Bitcoin Day, right? It's it's um, you know if we get to if we you know go you know tour the country, right? If we're going to Tulsa, if we're going to Boston, if we're going to Minneapolis, you know we're we're probably going to get there you know, that size city, we're probably going to get there like every other year, every third year. And so um, I, I don't, I see it as like, I, I don't see it as a meetup necessarily. It's almost like a hybrid between a conference and a, and a meetup. And so uh, it's a chance to, I mean, giving away prizes and stuff like that. Like most meetups aren't giving away nodes and stats and, you know, as much free Bitcoin as we probably are. Um, and so, uh, but it's also a chance to really to get some of that to draw in some of the non the people that aren't going to the meetup, and so it's feeding people into the meetup. That's the goal: is that we're making those connections, so that people you know don't necessarily hold any maybe, but are buying it for the first time or just want to get more familiar with it. Bitcoin Day will hopefully lead to having people show up at the meetups, and then um, hopefully the meetups will grow. Yeah. And it kind of allows some of those um, you know companies and sponsors to kind of get. Um, to help build the community around them, and um, we'd love to be able to have some Bitcoin-focused products, you know, come out of these meetups. I think that's a nice thing. Yeah, and you're, you know, we frequently get asked, "Hey, I've got, you know, how do I, how do I build X, or how do I, I want to, I want to build something, how do I build something, how do I do that?" Um, hopefully, we'll be able to make those connections. I know at previous events we've hosted, 
um, there have been real life events or real life products that have come out of out of those connections. So that networking usually after the after the after the event when you're doing like you know surveys or asking people you know what they thought about it and getting feedback to improve, uh, that's usually the number one thing is that the networking and connections. Yeah, that's huge. And I think that's like having this grassroots um, attitude with Bitcoin is so important uh, because people know their communities and are well equipped to go into them, you know, and serve their needs. What do they, um, have you gotten, so the companies you mentioned, have you, um, are they like buying you guys beers at your meetups or what's typical engagement? Yeah, they help sponsor, uh, like sometimes they'll, they'll buy us beers, but um, they help sponsor like renting meetup space. And uh, um, that's probably the biggest one that we've used right now. But yeah, there's been a handful of times that they've covered uh, food and beer costs, which is pretty helpful. It's just, it, it's just awesome to get their support, you know, um, I think. And it's, it's awesome to be able to like shill these companies that are really solid too. Um, For sure. Cause like there, there's a lot, I mean, you see this in the influencer community a lot, like where they shill all sorts of like weird, dumb products. Like you'll, you'll be watching, um, they might not be bad, but um, they, they're products that I think are, uh, that we get to shell at our meetups that are like actually revolutionary and are really changing things. Like I love fold. Um, I'm not paid by them in any capacity, but I, I try to shell them as much as possible because I think it's, it's huge. It, it, it takes savings to like a new um, level where people don't have to put up any capital, you know, to start earning and saving in Bitcoin. And I think that's a, massive game changer you know and products like that are so cool i feel like i know a couple of people that have you know acquired almost a million sats just from my spin on the wheel or you know being a part of the wall which is just it's crazy when you think about path the future uh, you know it's a great way to kind of get people involved or dip their toes in to kind of get used to the sat community and what it's all about yeah yeah they're they're launching this new product um where you're going to be able to drop sats wherever you want, anywhere in the world. Um, and then it, it, it's like Pokemon Go. And so you oh, can go and like look for them. That's cool. That's crazy. So I'll be dropping some sats on the, the event for sure. Very cool. How's that? Huh, so is it, I mean, I used to play some of those games back in the day, right? You had, there's a map I assume. So it's almost like a scavenger hunt, like it's fine. Never, never played Pokemon Go. That's not, not my thing. I think I downloaded it for like a day. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> I yeah, it's not my thing either. I played Pokemon a little bit as a kid, but if I'm gonna get stats for it, I might I might be involved a little bit. That's, That's a really, that is a really cool idea. Yeah, I mean, I think it's super cool because he Will announced it um, at the Kaiser event, and one of the things he was talking about is like you can drop it anywhere in the world, so we could be dropping stats on El Salvador you know, or Nigeria. Um, I don't know how it's going to work if they're going to need Fold to be able to use it, um, which is kind of limited right now because it's only U.S.-based customers or if they're going to, um, mm. uh, like I know they're they're going to be launching a, a native wallet 
and I think I don't know. Well, we'll see how it goes, but it'd be cool if that like augmented reality was kind of you know an open system that other people can interact with outside of Fold too. But yeah, we'll see. It's a big project. It's kind of. I thought about like what if we at some point when we um, get big enough, like even just covering the cost of, of like the meetups, right? Like the, the whatever it is a year is like sixty bucks a year. I don't know what the current cost is, but um, like kind of being being that go to sponsor that people could rely on if they wanted to start a meetup, like we would get them kind of off the ground. I think that's I think that serves an important role. Yeah, it does. It does 100%. I think, like, one of the biggest struggles for meetups starting up is just getting exposure um, and getting out there. Because I, I was never on meetup before I started one. Um, and so the marketing of it and just, like, there's so many Bitcoiners uh, in our area that are hard to reach because people are all over the place. But, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, if, if you if you don't come in every, you know, if you're two hours out of town or whatever, right, you might not come into you might not come into the meetup every other day, but hopefully you'll come in once a year or whatever every other year for, for Bitcoin Day and um, and at least connect and maybe hopefully come back and you know stay get more connected and hopefully stay more connected that way. Um, yeah. We were talking about like Ben's sister, you know. it's pretty powerful that we have a message like this that we get to um, spread and then to watch like live um, like real time life changes as a result of it. Like I have a buddy, he's got like four kids and, you know, barely scrapes by, you know, doing like manual labor as well as like uh, Postmates and uh, he stacked like 150 bucks worth of Bitcoin which is pretty huge. And uh, I got to like sit down with him and, and teach him how to set up a, a wallet and how to back it up and how to transfer his uh, Bitcoin off the exchange and to like see that, um, that stuff like gets me super stoked. Um, yeah, I think getting people involved and just like sending a transaction, like I had a couple of buddies like that, that it just, it kind of doesn't even seem real because I've never, you know, even sent it from away from Coinbase or something, you know? And so um, anything we can do to kind of simplify it and like break down the steps and show people that it's actually accessible and, and real and, and it works. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of what you're saying, to be honest, I think Bitcoin is absolutely mind blowing that we're alive during this time and that it's even a real thing and that it works. And it's, digitally scarce and it's verifiable and um you know I, it's just it, it kind of blows my mind every time i think about it to be honest so uh just super grateful and 
excited that we get to meet people like yourself and all the other Bitcoiners. It's just a, it's a good time to be able to be grateful for it. Yeah, I think that that message is something that's incredibly important to you know promote is this idea of optimism because people are just so demoralized right now. It's crazy. And. <laughs> not make it political. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, Bitcoin's just, uh, I feel like I was a little bit of an optimist before Bitcoin. And then, you know, Bitcoin just kind of having that base layer of like stability just kind of allows you to um, kind of move forward even further. And, um, you know, maybe Kaiser uh, gets wild and crazy, but you, you can see that it, it comes from, you know, a place of confidence, a place of, um, when we fall back on the, the base foundation of Bitcoin, it's something stable that we can stand on and a, a you know, stable foundation that allows us to move forward off of that. Not, and outside of that, not a lot of people really have that. And so to have something that, um, you know, can potentially, you know, enter new technology, it, 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 makes, it makes for a more optimistic worldview. And um, I mean, geez, like just the fact that we can save, like we should just be able to save money and get ahead but um <laughs> i don't know who it was who was one of the politicians saying um you know like bitcoin you don't need bitcoin or something and it's like it's like dude we really wouldn't need it if you guys if the system wasn't messed up but we're trying to get away from your system so yes we do need it <laughs> so bitcoin separating money and state and uh, the specific separation of the state from uh the Cantillion uh, money spigot that controls the money printing is uh, is crucial, and that, and that's again that's like the macro play here of the next ten to fifteen years, and that's uh, um, yeah just uh, giga optimistic, super bull optimistic, whatever with Bitcoin. So it's great, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean Bitcoin uh, satisfies like one of the most basic needs that humans have, which is security, and one of the um, things a lot of people are struggling with is you, they just have no security whatsoever. So like there's this huge uh, almost like civil war brewing in Tucson because of some mandates that the city um, is placing on their employees that a bunch of people don't want to comply with. And uh, they're looking at leaving, you know, and quitting and they're having no idea how they're going to survive. Like, they're talking about like selling their houses or living in a van, you know, at, as a result to survive. And like, it's because they don't have any savings and, you know, Bitcoin uh, fixes that <laughs> even, you know, without the number constantly appreciating over time, that's huge. Um, but even, you know, as a money that's just not being debased, that that's a, big big difference for people and i i kind of look at them and you know just like you're so close um but we have the ability to build economic power you know and have a voice and like step out of being wage slaves um and completely dependent on the government and our employers and that's that's just groundbreaking i think it's revolutionary bro it's literally revolutionary and Again, I just keep going back to the macro thing. I feel like day to day can be tough to kind of realize that, but like it just it just sets the foundation for the long term. Which, um, like you said, I feel like people are kind of close though. They see the they see the issues and they are upset, but 
their outlet for the execution on how to like you know have a solution just uh, kind of falls short. And that's you know that's what Bitcoin Dixon is. Yeah. It's a pretty freeing feeling to be able to go to work, say whatever you want without fear of getting fired. And if you do get fired, to know that you can just go sit in your kitchen doing whatever you want for like a year without any financial hardship. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, we were yeah, we were talking to some folks earlier and they were uh, uh one of the reasons they quit his job because yeah. Um but you see like I mean on the other side of folks like Stephen Cole, right? He's, I mean, he's a VC now, probably in large part because he got it early and um, now he's able to uh, help and support the community in, in that way by, um, obviously he gets a, a stake, I'm sure, or whatever, but, uh, you know, that's that's the positive side. It took him, yeah, the days were probably long and it's not, he went, the price was down, right? But long-term, it paid off. Eventually, so. Yeah, Stephen. Steven's a good mentor to me. He's definitely like a guy I look up to. And uh we're so lucky to have him in Arizona. <laughs> well, then, did he was he in California back in the day? Does he work uh, when he was working for some of those companies? Yeah. Yeah, he, he started out in like Silicon Valley doing that stuff. Um and then he got orange pilled at some point. Mm-hmm. And now he fled the uh communist Republic. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like the the parallels of like you know the folks leaving. You know, we talked about the um, about how the Midwest is growing and how we might you know meetups might grow because of the folks fleeing the coast that are that are moving to the Midwest for all the benefits. Um, and I think the you know the parallels of people leaving California and uh, moving to Texas or moving wherever. Um, I, you know, it's probably you know, the parallels are there between that and, like, the uh, economy as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's some, you know, really solid, like, Brian's in California. Um, I, th- I think, like, there there's a lot of, um, I don't know what, what to say, but it. Well, I mean, New York, there's people in New York, I mean, yeah, there's people, like, still there, but not everybody, like, yeah, there's reasons to stay and obviously affect change and try to uh, try to spread the good word. Um, still, you can't have everybody abandoning it. Um, not, you know, <laughs> they like John Galt, right? Like I ran and <laughs> uh, somebody's got to go back and get the, get the people that should be out. It's just, you know, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something to say about people that are willing to stay in a crazy totalitarian place to fight, you know, for their people. Um, there's a guy I, I really like um, called Friedrich Bonhoeffer, who went back to Nazi Germany. Um, to He initially, you know, left for the UK and then went back and then he ended up dying in a Nazi concentration camp. Um, but... Uh, he kind of went through that and I think there's something powerful about that. But then again, you know, like there's something to leaving for places that teach you less <laughs> or a little bit freer. Um, yeah. I was, uh, I was listening to a podcast um, and uh, Sydney Watson was talking about her family still in Australia and like all the craziness going on in Australia. And, you know, they, 
they, they just won't leave. And so she was, yeah, that's, that's gotta be tough, I guess. Um, yeah, but we, I mean, Bitcoin, right, you can travel across uh, borders and international travels internationally. So certainly Bitcoin empowers us to get out of those systems. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge. That's that's just such a big deal that people don't realize. Like, you can't take your entire stock portfolio with you. I mean, you, yeah, there's, there's laws, right? You, you have to report everything or pay taxes or you know, sell it and reinvest or whatever. So the Bitcoin is not, uh, doesn't have any of those mandates or requirements or restrictions uh, in the purest sense. So. And even if it did, it wouldn't matter. Well, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, they can pass all the infrastructure bills they want. Like, <laughs> keep passing them. <laughs> yeah. That's why Ben's got his uh, uh, Bisque shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> is that or, the one, uh, is that the one that says KYC is the illicit activity on the back? Yeah, I feel like I'm getting quite a few looks down in uh, Paris to the plains here. People are like, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least I feel like uh, I feel like I thought it would stand out, and then I feel like I'm gonna realize a lot of people don't even know what KYC is or means. But hopefully, they see your shirt and Google what the KYC is, and then realize that they're like pretty strong against that. It's important. It's funny because we talked like even folks in, you know, you've got the traditional finance folks who are you know in the in the Black Rocks or in the you know the Wells Fargo's, and then you've got you know the, a lot of there's then this fintech, right, which is supposed to kind of disrupt and it has been disrupting. But um, even when you talk to fintech folks and you tell them that you're in crypto or block or Bitcoin, um, you know, they even are like, I'd rather be over there than <laughs> in my fintech, right? I'd be rather in that space and in that world because, uh, you know, that, that is true freedom. Um, so, yeah, it's just funny that as much as fintech was supposed to disrupt, there's like, there's, there's even further disruption coming. Yeah. I mean, this, this is going to be as big as like fire, electricity, I think, and it's disruptive nature. Well, that's what Eric, Eric that's what his, uh, the seventh property. Um, I mean, that's kind of the premise, part of the premise is that like Bitcoin built upon all of those other, uh, a lot of the other inventions that money revolved around like money and stuff like that yeah if anybody asks you what kyc is just ask them if they're a customer of (laughs) t-mobile why there was this huge hack recently i know what you never mind i got it i got it yeah (laughs) yeah i i was actually i i didn't get anywhere but like yeah I, i made some calls to my provider to be like you know how do I know you're not going to just fail me? Like, how do I know you're not going to just totally... You don't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they had no clue. I, I mean, I tried to work my way up, like, talking to higher levels of support and even some of the of the admin office side of folks, and they, they just didn't care. That's so frustrating. Yeah, I think, like, the inevitability is, like, all of these companies are susceptible and probably will be hacked, and that's why centralizing data and these giant honeypots and centralizing financial assets and these giant honeypots is so problematic and it's yeah 
I was talking to somebody uh, uh, yesterday. I mean, that's I mean, that's obviously one of the biggest arguments is like you you see all the hacks and all the news, right? And they're like, there's you know, I said, you know, what are you buying exactly? And this was their question. And you know, they're talking about like the network effect, you know, the trust. Like you're not there's no one person, no one entity that you have to trust when you're buying Bitcoin. And uh, compared to all these other, you know, Bitcoin has run, you know, solid for 12 years. Um, and versus all the other guys that are almost inevitably, somebody's gonna get in and, and get your data there. Um, so it's like, people don't, people don't get it. Cause there's no, there's no, uh, it's not Wells Fargo. There's no main office for, <laughs> For, for Bitcoin, they just they just can't wrap their head around it. Yeah. There's no customer helpline. You can't call 1-800-BITCOIN. <laughs> yeah, when people ask me about altcoins, probably the biggest um, concern I have and talk to them about right off the bat is just the security of them. And, uh, uh, you know, Eric Voorhees is out there trying to, you know, do all of these things like... Uh, create decentralized autonomous organizations and have uh, decentralized exchanges like ThorChain. And, you know, we saw ThorChain get wrecked recently. And uh, that's what kind of inevitably happens with these tokens, you know, if they're not decentralized. And Bitcoin, um, fortunately, has taken, you know, very different route of prioritizing security above all else. Um, on the base layer. And it's definitely a very different perspective that people have because they want to rush off and do all these things, um, like build all these applications and, and stuff. Um, and, you know, explain to them uh, what we have right now is like the house is on fire, the money is broken, you know, and it's destroying our society, it's destroying our communities and making it impossible for people to, you know, really live with stability. Um, and these altcoins are talking about remodeling the kitchen while the house is on fire. It's like, no, you need to get out of the house because it's burning down and build a new one. And then you can start talking about remodeling the kitchen or how you want to design it. Um, That's right. I feel like I, when people ask me, I kind of say the same thing. They ask about the alts. I'm like, oh, it doesn't really create applications. And I'm like, okay, that, that's great. But we need to get the base foundation layer of the money correct. Otherwise, everything we're building is just uh, built on quicksand and not the stable rock foundation, which is uh, just crucial if we're going to do anything in society long term. Yeah. Like, do you want to put your, your money into something that's going to be stable and secure, or do you want to put your money into something that's going to be incredibly risky and insecure? <laughs> so. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, you talk about building upon the rock like there's a lot of and we were talking earlier about like you know save money take care of your family right like as compared to the the usury and the, the debt-based uh, system we have now right you can't truly you can't truly take care of your family um it, you know unless you are inheriting millions of dollars or whatever those exceptions um but i think there's a lot of like biblical and religious undertones there that um i know uh like uh, there's there's quite a bit of uh, I know like Jimmy Song, um, think up for Bitcoin, Brian, Brian yeah. Uh, there's a lot of talk or you know those those 
smaller segments of the, the Bitcoin industry are, are talking about some of that stuff. So Brian Harrington is going to be at the conference, um, but we had a call with Jimmy the other day, and you know, um, I know he's been very instrumental in, in trying to make that bridge, bridge that gap between, you know, what, what if, I mean the, the, you know, what does it mean to be human? Like, what are we supposed to be doing as humans, and what were we designed to do as humans, and then how does Bitcoin fit into into that? Yeah, what do you what do you think our design as humans is? What are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think that we were created to worship God, and uh, that looks a lot of different ways. Obviously, in its pure sense, it's in the church, but uh, you know, obviously, our our whole life is a reflect reflect that um, and that belief and those values and so um i think that uh that looks like uh not so there's like the my kids are in school right and there's all this talk about feet time and it's frustrating to me because like there are times when like being kind might not be the right thing to do right uh milo said uh once said that like saying no is probably is the most loving thing you can do in some situations right but our society, going back to a good uh, to Black Friday, right? Our society is not designed or trained to, uh, or doesn't understand saying no to things, right? You go, you just swipe the credit card. So I think I think that that uh, um, yeah, I think that our ultimately will we'll, uh, we will be uh, fully satisfied in, in in heaven, and that will be the the ultimate low time preference when when we're in heaven. Um, but in the meantime, I think that having discipline and uh, having discipline and, and uh, treating people the way that we want to be treated, uh, including saying no and speaking harsh truths into their lives, are are what we should be doing. I think Bitcoin, and I think Bitcoin does that. If I own something, you can't own it in the Bitcoin world. Like that, that is a, a reflection of that in the monetary system. Hmm. We can't just print more money. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting. I I like a lot of the parallels that Bitcoin has to the printing press um, because what we saw uh, was the Catholic Church become extremely powerful and corrupt. And I think the problem with any sort of centralization is like, you know, um, the church had all this power and yet I think it led people further away from their uh, relationship with God. And uh, I think we're seeing that, you know, today with the state, you know, essentially being a god in our society, there's, there's not a lot of, it's like this assumption. I, I think back then, prior to information being dispersed and the Bible being translated into people's language, um, native languages, people assumed that you know, the church was the ultimate authority and that their priest was the ultimate authority. And today we, we think the bureaucrat or president or, you know, whatever is the Dr. Fauci is, <laughs> the, yeah, I don't say that. <laughs> is like the ultimate authority. And it's because money and the state are married. Um, sure. And I think like ultimately, you know, what, what the Bible being trained, like not everybody that listens to this podcast is religious, which is cool, but um but the Bible being translated into people's individual or languages allows them to experience God 
for themselves rather than going through an intermediary. And uh, Bitcoin being separated from the state allows them to experience freedom, um, freedom of choice uh, and liberty um, without you know being granted to the state. And this idea that the state grants our rights is just such garbage um, that a lot of people you know have never really thought about. It's like. Hey, Mr. Senator, can you please not destroy my life and my family's life? Like, I'm going to call you and beg you for mercy, you know, not to like, it's like, no, like they they have no right to be doing these things and we can put up our middle fingers and we can have, you know, some power in doing so as a result of this technology. And I I think the similarities there are are massive um, and are incredibly important. Um, And I love Thank God for Bitcoin's take on that. It's such a good book. They did. Like at the local level, I haven't, I haven't dropped this. Uh, well, I, I was talking to one of my council members, and I told him, right, our, our rights come from God. Um, but I'm probably going to start repeating that on a regular basis at our city council meetings because they think that we serve at their pleasure, and they're wrong. So. So just to, to recognize and kind of just recognize and kind of help prosper and instead it's turned into them as the, the authority, which is uh, not the way a lot of us see it. And yeah, they need to realize we're not their slaves. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. We need to let them know that. <laughs> yeah. And even uh, what you were saying, like, when he was when he said printer, I was thinking like money printer go burr, but like the uh, um, the, the, the the relativity, right? Like the moral. There's another cherry picked analogy. Is just it's making analogies, right? But like the, uh, the the monetary system and printing more money makes the, the the money relative and the versus like an absolute truth, right? There are absolute truths, and and Bitcoin forces that. Yeah, that's something American Hoddle talks a lot about, um, and he's kind of an agnostic or atheist, which is really interesting how he kind of taps into this um, Judeo-Christian uh, framework and, and argues against nihilism and moral relativism, um, because I think that's incredibly important. Like, that's just something we see here in our society, and it's like the epitome of that is GameStop and Dogecoin, you know, <laughs> people just like. I don't have a bright future, so I'm just going to YOLO into this garbage. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, they they have like again, they have like the right idea, but just the execution of like the way they go about it is just like just a hair misguided, you know. And, and uh, <laughs> it's close. It, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty entertaining to watch. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see if we have any more coordinated. Uh, attacks against the establishment like that from a financial yeah sat squeeze that's the real one that's the real game stuff for sure what is it sat squeeze squeeze yeah we're on a bit of a pump today well that was i feel like that was just again the right issue but you're playing their game where like the hedge funds are just like they're not really getting stopped out they're just like (laughs) They like have all the data. They're going with you, and then they're also trading against you. It's just you know you're playing their game, and that's where um, you know we really have the opportunity in this life and this time right now to really opt out, and that's what uh, uh, Bitcoin offers. And 
that's why I think we're all here. We're all about it. I think we're missing final Bitcoin right now. <laughs> they said they're going to. Twelve coins. I know they're talking about it. Yeah, I think Brian Armstrong's got a little bit of a uh, Bitcoin derangement syndrome. I don't think he's very vocal but about being anti-Bitcoin, but I think ever since his uh, attempt to launch Bitcoin XT and Segwit2x, and I, I think he was involved with Segwit2x, um, but ever since then, and that failed, and the community really shut him down. I think he's gone off the deep end, kind of like Roger. If only, if only Craig Bright would show us the way. <laughs> I had some guy on my Instagram comments. I was talking about Bitcoin. Kind of told me that BSV is like, the first like, <laughs> oh my God, my guy, let me help you. Let me help you. <laughs> yeah, I had somebody in my YouTube comments uh, for the first time. I think that means that you're gaining some traction in the world when the BSV shells start. <laughs> I mean, where can you even buy BSV? It's such trash, like everybody delisted it. Um, yeah, we, uh, we're excited to, I think the um, Bitcoin Day will be a forum to talk about this stuff, right? Like, I mean, we're talking here, you're in Tucson, we're in KC slash Nebraska, but um, I think that the, having the face-to-face talks are important um, to be able to have group conversations in real person. I think that's important. I feel like there were some of the real conversations that happen at the meetup, you know, just, I mean, whether I'm learning about history from France in the 60s or something, or like, you know, just the Bitcoin history, I feel like um, uh, that's, that's, that's why we're here to try to have the tough conversations and push things forward in a, in a meaningful manner with uh, friends, family, and community. I think that's, uh, that's one of the underlying goals for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The conferences are so helpful in fighting demoralization right now, too. We're going to win this. Yes, sir. Stay winning. Yeah, and I think the, 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 the other track, like, we've got three tracks, right? One is um, the, the more, like, the use cases. Um, one is more kind of the philosophical, the kind of stuff we're talking about here, like, the, the what what the industry is doing and ramping up wise and Bitcoin and kind of more philosophical, but like the and then the third track is that professional track of like trying to figure out how it interacts with all the all the traditional um, mainstream finance and all the other retail, you know, that kind of thing. So I think the uh, those those three that that we haven't, we haven't even touched on kind of that industry or that segment. Um, and what does it mean? How do we take this? Uh, how do we take this mindset? And apply it to our work if we're still in a in a regular job, you know. Yeah, I don't have any answers. I'm just saying that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I How think do we the system from the inside, right? Like Fight Club. Yeah, the. I mean, it, the reality is real. I mean, for for people all over the place, like working, I worked in social work for a very long for like seven years and working with people in their 60s and 70s that had no retirement savings and um, young people that had no savings and were just spending money on stupid things like motorcycles and trucks. Um, Like it's, people have a lot of power 
in whatever their sphere is. And uh, uh, what's that guy? Something Maxwell. Are you familiar with him? He's a leadership guy. Uh, well, yeah, I know you're talking. He, uh, he wrote the, uh, the book with the mask on. Yes, I know you're talking. It's, like, it's like one thing that he talks about is like in that book is to, to really be a leader in whatever sphere you have. It doesn't mean that you have to have authority and like have a um like a higher position. Like you don't need to be a manager or director to really have an influence on the people around you. You just have to be aware of your influence and, and use it, use it well. And I think that's huge. We're gonna orange pill the masses. That's the goal. I think even like just getting people, you know, not I think people helping people be aware that you don't have the or why. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin, right? Just buy some sats and uh just feel a little taste and hopefully it'll come back for more, but just have some just to um ride the wave and, and have your voice heard through that. I mean, we were kind of talking about that earlier. I feel like one of the things like some of my friends said you know, they think they have to buy a whole coin or it's like all or nothing. Like, oh, fuck, it's either $5,000 or nothing, you know? And so um, I'm trying to do a little just $21 once a week stack and just try to get people on board with like, um, you know, again, the, the, the DCA, DTC.com, like $50 a day for the last like four or five years is like 250 grand or something. We only put like 20 grand down. And so, um, you know, just, it, I think it's just, I, don't know, I feel like at first I kind of thought, like when I'm talking to some other people, that the way in is, um, you know, trying to explain these different concepts, but it kind of seems like it's more just orange pill. Like the orange pill, uh, once if they can get their hands on that and the small grasp of it and those little steps, um, then it kind of just affects everything else. I mean, I, I definitely can say for my family and people close to me, um, Bitcoin's kind of changed change the way I kind of view the world and how we kind of go about it. I don't know how much, you know, dealing with, uh, um, how much of it, talking about the consumers and how much of it is, like, is it, is it something inherent to just the way people think, or is it something like society has trained us on and taught us on, like, that making a small purchase like that um, is futile, or whatever the, whatever the, um, from, um, if we're thinking about, like, it's got to be a big thing, or, you know, or nothing, and, and that seems to be a faulty mindset i don't know where that comes from comes from the fed (laughs) like legitimately like going and watching ben bernanke talk about how he wants to prevent people from having money under their mattress and like like talking about people like that with disdain it's a very intentional process that that is done so like talking with a lot of people you know what they're concerned about is what can it do for me now um and that mindset is kind of programmed into us. So it's, it, it is a cultural phenomenon for sure uh, that's happening, but I think it, it directly is based on how they're um, adjusting monetary policy to get people into this mindset of consumerism. Well, I mean, Australia is a direct result of the people being disarmed going on right there. Yeah. Guns. Guns are good. Super important. I mean, I was thinking, I'm, I'm a gun nut. I love guns. 
And I was thinking last night it would be really nice to live in a world without guns um, and without nuclear weapons, like that it would be that safe. Um, but like most of the people that suggest to get rid of guns have this like innate trust for authority which I think is incredibly dangerous. And it's the entire concept of like having something like that is entirely predicated on um, the authority being inherently good over time. And it's such a conflicting, like logical fallacy that they present. It's like, we, people are bad, so we need authority to manage them. But the people that are, they're saying are bad are the people in positions of authority. And it's it it's mind blowing to me to just like have those types of conversations. So we we need guns. Guns are good. Um, communism will work next time. Yeah, I mean, like we we get a, like a lot of heat about communism and our culture, which I think is really good because it's like one of the most destructive things out there. But you know what we're seeing today, you know, with this cronyism is pretty bad too. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, that's how the right, that's that's a component of right like now when we have when we lose you know labor lady liberty right it's fine. so when we lose that um, objectivist uh, objectivist or objectivity then um, that kind of stuff happens where the that cronyism and the um, things become based on people based rather than a, a document that was written a few hundred years ago yeah. Max Kaiser was like calling, like hyping up the idea of guillotines at his event, which I don't think is the best. Yeah, that didn't, that didn't go so well on January 6th for a few people. Yeah, that that's exactly what they want, you know, is for people to lash out like that. But we, we can just like completely unseat them by destroying the money printers. Yeah. It, it's so much more powerful. Like, <laughs> it, 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 the way I see guns and the way I see Bitcoin is that it's an asymmetric defense against these people, these maniacs. And uh, I think that's, you know, the attitude that we need to have is like to be gorillas, you know, and it's like it, you always see this. And it, I saw this in high school a lot where there was like the, the 18 year old, you know, tough, big bully that was always like, hit me first hit me first, you know, and, you know, if you, you hit him first, he's going to whoop you. And I think that's kind of like what the state's doing with us right now. <laughs> They're like, come at me. So we can throw you on the gulag. And so, <laughs> no, the, the answer is to not hit you. The answer is to circumvent you. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm stoked. What's what's got you guys hopeful in the future? Um, Bitcoiners, for sure. I feel like uh, uh, I don't know. I was just gonna think about this. I, I feel like I kind of woke up about like ten years ago or something and realized that you know the, the Fed and they're controlling us and the money printer, but kind of just uh, was got real upset. I feel like I go back on my Twitter. I was like ranting about it about how just printing money and controlling us like 10 years ago and didn't really have an outlet and then um you, you i, I kind of knew that the money was the issue and there's really just no solution and then kind of like learning about bitcoin and it just kind of like falls back in place and like connects everything that like 
Um, it's so simple and corny, but like literally fix the money, fix the world. Like it really comes down to that. So um, again, the day-to-day -day can, can seem, you know, kind of just going about it, but I think over the long term, if we just keep pushing at this thing, I, I think there um, can really be some meaningful change. And that's just uh, that's what I'm trying to do in my life, just be about those things and um, help foster, you know, good relationships with people that are about the mission. We just want people, quality people that are on board with the mission. And, um, you know, I, I think that that Bitcoin's a, a great way to start with that. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Here in the heartland. Yeah, yeah we, uh, that's going to be a t-shirt. Probably won't be till next year, but hopefully I have a t-shirt for Bitcoin and at uh, Bitcoin Day Omaha 2022. Um, for, yeah, for me, probably just, uh, I mean, I like the, um, we were reading Casey, Casey Hoddle is uh, helping us out here and uh, tweet out something about kind of the community being reliable and people you can trust. Um, and I, you know, for, for me, like he was saying, Going to uh, going to our, our uh, meetups in Omaha and uh, talking about 16th century French history. <laughs> it matters. Um, it's uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I appreciate the I appreciate it more the community and like being able to. I, I think that uh, homogeneity is important and being or being around people that you trust and and like and and uh, um, and so. I appreciate that whether it's whether it's you know at church or or in the Bitcoin community um, or in my professional life, um, figuring out how to uh, pick friends, I guess would be how I would summarize it. Nice. What about yourself? I'm bullish on Bitcoin coming into the Midwest with a storm. Let's go. It, I mean that that corner of the country is awesome. Don't sleep on, you know, what the morons call the flyover states. <laughs> yeah, well, we uh, yeah, we plan on coming out your way too, though. Uh, next year, so maybe we can come on here and tease it out again. Yeah, Arizona's ready. We're 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 growing really really well, and the stuff we're doing out here is super exciting. We're um getting the point like where there's going to be the, I mean, we're already at where there's an event pretty much every week happening around Arizona and uh, we're going to conquer all the cities, get a meetup in every city, major city and region. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, the ground is just so fertile and uh, the stuff that they're doing is just so insane. Like, they're going after cash they're going after you know people's savings they're going after you know everything and and we have such a big cash economy out here and uh, such a big immigrant population remitted says it's it, like the biggest no-brainer when it comes to bitcoin and then um this cash economy is going to flow entirely into bitcoin is my prediction because the CBDCs and the tax laws, like people are, people are not going to comply with that. It's just insane. It's a, there's going to be this massive black market that um, is going to transition. I think it's super bullish because um, people are, people want to be free. You know, they don't want to be coerced and 
enslaved. So, dude, I, I, I think right along those lines, like, I, dude, I think it's only 12 years old, but you know, with 30 years of the cyberpunk history behind it, I, I think we're in hyper Bitcoinization right now. Like, everyone has a different term for that, but I think we're in it. I think we're going through it. This is, um, this is the growth of, of, of what it's going to look like, you know, when we look back. Um, yeah, that's just. Um, make, makes me super bullish. So. Yeah, it's they're gonna get rolling. They have no idea what's coming for them. Um. So yeah, where can guys, where can people follow you, and learn about Bitcoin Day Omaha? Um. So BitcoinDayOmaha.com, and we will we're gonna be we'll be rebranding that to um, to include the other uh, cities that are coming. And so for now, Bitcoin Day Omaha, you can buy your tickets there. Um, on Twitter, Bitcoin Day Omaha, and uh, Instagram is Bitcoin Day Omaha. Use code Freedom Twenty One for the discount. There we go. Yep, Freedom Twenty One get you a best discount yet that we have out right now. So, yeah. And then if you're in Kansas City, that's so Bitcoin Day Omaha is uh, September tenth, and then Bitcoin Day Kansas City is November sixth at Union Station, and we'll be announcing more about that soon so kansas city are you guys gonna get tech nine to come <laughs> we should we're, we're trying to get so we need to we need a big performance and tech nine would be, be coming in real much prepare for the planes baby tech nine show up <laughs> he's the only person i know from kansas city so i've been to a couple concerts he throws a pretty crazy crazy event so maybe he's a big part we'll have to show him up yeah yeah <laughs> I heard he was illiterate for like his first few albums, and so he had every <laughs> lyric memorized. I don't know if hey, that's true. Right? Right? <laughs> if if that's true, that's just phenomenal. But makes it better. Yeah, I I mean, I just saw some of his concerts in Sonoma. I think it was. It was pretty wild. <laughs> I can't we'll say I've ever. <laughs> not really my scene but yeah well cool really really good having you guys on thanks thanks for having us that'd be great we appreciate it look forward to having you come to Omaha and get some more Bitcoiners together so we appreciate what you're doing and especially out there in Tucson I know you're kind of uh really kind of fostering the scene man that's that's what it's all about so we appreciate that yeah thank you we're gonna win this let's go stay winning it, it, it's hap- I mean here's the thing like one last thing. It's happening regardless of whether what we're doing, but I think the way I see it is we can probably get some people on the life raft a little bit quicker doing this. So. That's the goal. Board the ark. Let's go. Board the ark. That was a good time with Ben and Edward from Alpha BTC who are putting on the Bitcoin Day Omaha uh, conference and yeah, I'm just stoked about this. This is something that I'm very passionate about is getting Bitcoin uh, to people in their local communities. I think, you know, the aspect of just buying Bitcoin is cool and all as a, you know, investment or, you know, financial asset. But I think really using Bitcoin to its fullest potential to, you know, get around censorship, to get around, uh, you know, just these evil people that are pulling the strings and, and think that, you know, we're just here to be managed and and controlled at their will uh, is what makes Bitcoin a really powerful thing and 
and it starts in the local community. I think Bitcoin is different, you know, when you look at politics, when you look at, um, you know, a lot of the structures that we see today, a lot of it is a, a top-down approach. And I think Bitcoin is a bottom-up approach. You know, we, we are changing things not by, you know, edict and, and mandates. We're changing things by choice and education and uh, working with people and opting out of this stupid system, which is fiat money. Uh, but yeah, great conversation. Meetup scene. I'm super stoked about some of the stuff going on. Isaiah Jackson is coming out to uh, Phoenix on the 31st, which is a Tuesday. Uh, so I guess uh, the day after this podcast drops. And I'm, I'm super stoked about that. I had him on the podcast a while back. And... I'm excited to meet him in person, you know, and talk about his book. I think his book, Bitcoin and Black America, is, you know, really helpful and um, informative. And I'm just, yeah, excited that he's, you know, coming out and supporting our local Bitcoin scene here in Arizona. But we're rolling. We're creating a movement. We're done with this nonsense. And it's exciting to pe- see that people are you know, growing and educating themselves, and I feel super bullish and encouraged about that, but yeah, hope you enjoyed this conversation, and have a good one.